Hi, and welcome to our podcast. I'm John Tolbert, Director of Cybersecurity Research here at Cooper & Cole. And today I'm joined by George Tarasov, who is Product Manager at Curator Labs, headquartered in Prague. And today's topic that we wanted to discuss is how to protect against multi-vector DDoS and bot detection. So welcome, George. Uh, thank you so much, John. Thanks, everyone. Pleasure to be talking on this podcast today. So yeah, uh, multi-vector DDoS attacks and everything uh, which comes with them. Uh, probably you're wondering what uh, does this even mean? Why are we talking about them? Yeah, I think you know we've we've heard of DDoS for many years. You know, as a step up from the denial of service, so distributed denial of service, meaning many many different sources can be included to try to bring down uh, network services of the the target companies or target organizations. Multi-vector being uh, you know a latest iteration of this. So I thought it'd be good to just sort of really define these at the beginning. So a multi-vector attack, uh, you know, uses a combination of different attacks uh, that can be deployed at the same time, uh, or maybe in some sort of uh, coordinated sequence. It can use different attack methods and you know exploit different kinds of vulnerabilities on different systems, uh, you know, to try to maximize the, the their chances of success. Uh, multi-vector usually starts with some sort of reconnaissance. And then from there, the attacker might use a whole host of different methods, anything from, you know, malware, ransomware, uh, social engineering, compromising machines on the target network, uh, phishing, business email compromise, and then ultimately, you know, DDoS attacks. So these, yeah. these combinations can overwhelm uh, the targeted organizations. Well, what would you like to add about that, George? Well, uh, one thing I might uh, shed some light on here is that uh, we've been coming to this concept for quite a long time. So multi-vector DDoS uh, first uh, appeared as the variation to like the old methods, old techniques. Uh, as as uh, some of you might know, some of our listeners might know, uh, the common techniques for denial of service attacks have been roughly the same for about 30 years. Well, as long as uh, the protocols that they are exploiting uh, were developed and standardized, like TCP, TOS, SSL, uh, HTTP, of course, uh, this kind of thing. And uh, probably the first real iteration of uh, multi-vector attack suits uh, came with uh, the famed uh, Mirai botnet back in 2006. Uh, this marvelous piece of code uh, was able to launch something in the vicinity of 19 different attack types. And uh, the most beautiful thing about this is uh, that you could run them in parallel. So combining different methods, if one kind of attack wasn't able to come through, you could always uh, launch a different one to see how the defense tools would react to that. And uh, in many cases, uh, they wouldn't. And the attack came through and brought down lots of uh, famous websites. So this is where originally the multi-vector attacks came from. And uh, nowadays we have uh, more different methods, more different techniques, new protocols. Everything uh, can be combined into uh, some kind of shrewd combination for DDoS. 
Yeah, for sure. And the volumes have gotten so much higher too. Uh, the, the amount of uh, malicious traffic that can be delivered, especially when you do multi-vector. Uh, just thinking on the DDoS side, I mean, we've seen volumes grow exponentially, it seems, over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, what what can you say about the volumes of those kinds of attacks and then the frequency with which they happen? Oh, well, with volume, it is uh, usually coming towards uh, counting uh, different attack types and their metrics separately. For example, for volume metrics, uh, it is uh, kind of normal nowadays to have a terabit scale attacks, as we call them. So the uh, bandwidths they occupy uh, on the final leg towards the target might be as well in the vicinity of uh, one, two terabits per second. Hundreds of uh, gigabits per second is uh, the average scale for volumetric attack. It, it is something you won't get people scared with now. And with uh, application layer attacks, it's mostly boils down to the number of uh, concurrent connections, the number of requests per second made, and millions of requests per second is uh, the high watermark now for application layer attacks. Each uh, of these types growing over the years is able to knock out uh, middle-sized company infrastructure and the internet infrastructure, the load balancers, the application servers, uh, the routers, uh, this kind of equipment. And when you combine this stuff, especially running, uh, against a single target, uh, this uh, might grow towards a devastating effect because uh, several sorts of defense tools usually uh, are available to online businesses now. The cloud-based services, the on-premise equipment, uh, firewalls, all of them are good at uh, stopping one kind of attacks and are worse in mitigating the other ones. So you need to mix it up to knock down your defenses and uh, to let at least some of the garbage traffic to get through. Well, you know, we, we've also heard for years that things like DDoS for hire services are out there so that, you know, this is a type of attack that um, doesn't necessarily require a lot of sophistication. Uh, uh, there are There's an infrastructure out there on the dark web that, that you know, bad actors can use to... Uh, increase the the number of sources uh, from which DDoS attacks originate. Yeah, the, the bigger the botnet is, the more effective it is and the safer it is to operate because uh, uh, security companies uh, will eventually find out the origins of the botnets. They block them. They use honeypots to fish for uh, uh, the real IP addresses of the infected machines, of the infected devices, uh, bringing them to justice eventually. After months and years of usage, the botnets tend to shrink because uh, they're getting discovered and you need to produce to procure uh, new ones to keep yourself in this uh, cyber criminal business. But in addition to that, it is interesting that uh, not only the common DDoS methods are widely used uh, for multi-vector attacks. Uh, the attackers are not only combining the tried and true tested technologies, uh, they're also using some things from the other fields like uh, using the bad bots as we define them, uh, the automated tools uh, that can be purposed for different tasks, but can also be used for large-scale application layer attacks as well. 
And this is something that we've uh, that we didn't see before in the previous years. But this year, I think it's a new trend that we are observing and trying to fight against. Yeah, you know, we've been hearing about these combinations of attacks for several years now. Sometimes, uh, it, you know, victims will see DDoS attacks in combination with ransomware attacks. And really, I think it's all about trying to keep the security team off guard, because if your security team is trying to deal with a ransomware attack, then, uh, you know, other things might slip past. You know, they, it may make it more difficult for uh, them to be able to respond to a DDoS attack or be alerted about every phishing attempt. So it really, I mean, focusing on the multi-vector part, I think that this this is a, a strategy that the sophisticated attackers have for trying to ensure that one kind of attack gets through. What would you say are you know some of the main motivations for doing these kinds of attacks then? Uh, well, uh, most of the time, multi-vector attacks, uh, as w- uh, as with the rest of denial-of-service type of things, are used to knock down uh, uh, the key components uh, of uh, the uh, internet business. Websites, DNS servers, uh, corporate office endpoints, mobile APIs. Well, everything that outside users might use, uh, preventing them from doing that will be a big upset for the victim. So that is the idea. And of course, uh, keeping the security team, the monitoring team, the ops team busy with some kind of pre- uh, prevention work while keeping doing the other types of uh, threats is a good strategy uh, to knock someone down. And the same goes with using like the uh, uh, the bad bots for the same purpose. You know, we're usually used uh, to see them uh, as a constant background noise, like the mains hum from a single pickup on a guitar. It, 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 it is always present uh, on, on your website with the rest of the users. There are scraper bots who are scraping for some things. There are the guys who are trying to collect some public data, some metrics from your website. But suddenly, uh, the same tool set might be used to cause a huge influx of requests, bringing down the firewalls, bringing down the application servers. Do you think uh, this... Uh, is uh, really making an imprint on the modern usage of websites. Well, you know, you said something really interesting there too about APIs. I mean, I think we historically have thought of DDoS attacks as mostly being, you know, just against networks, but with everybody exposing everything via API, you know, to be able to to integrate applications from different providers and whatnot. So many APIs are are out there and, and and probably not as well protected as they should be because uh, a DDoS attack against APIs, uh, you know, is just a different way of bringing down that service. Yeah, uh, APIs are huge because uh, you have all the mobile applications, the native mobile applications, uh, iOS, Android using them. Uh, you have... Uh, huge businesses which don't even operate uh, the websites. You cannot use them uh, effectively in a browser. Most of uh, the customer base comes from uh, smartphones and tablets. So APIs serving uh, these devices, uh, of course, are the main entry point, and it, it gives the idea to the attackers on where to hit best. And being, being an application, you have a variety of methods. So what kinds of combinations of attacks are your customers seeing these days? 
Well, last year, uh, it was mainly the combination between layer 4 and layer 7 uh, types of attacks with some layer 5 uh, encryption mixed in. So it's usually a TCP attack, uh, like a connection flood or a SYN flood, combined with uh, application requests done through HTTP, HTTPS. Uh, sometimes a TOS encryption is added here. The TOS handshake attack is widely used now because it's very cheap to do and takes a great toll on the application server on the victim's side. So combining these two or three main threads together and adding some bad bots uh, doing legit application requests in the mix, uh, this is a real pain to mitigate. Uh, the only way you could uh, effectively uh, defend against this kind of attack is having a set of fully automated tools which analyze not only the incoming load for the service, not only the incoming traffic, but also uh, the health, as we call them, the health metrics of the application. How does it feel under the attack? Uh, what are the server response times? What is the percentage of server errors? Because if you don't do so, uh, it's like prescribing a medicine to a patient you haven't seen before, and you don't know the diagnosis, the symptoms, and so on. It's like the blind luck. Thinking about bots, I mean, we recently published our uh, leadership compass on fraud reduction uh, intelligence platforms, and I had a lot of emphasis on uh, bot detection, bot management there. You know, you make a point of, you know, there are good bots, there are bad bots, uh, there are bots that are in between. Uh, so, you know, you can't just say as an organization, we don't want to allow any bots in because... Some of the work of the web depends on good bots getting, you know, their work exactly. done. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah. Can you describe how bad bots actually fit into this then? What are, what is a bad bot? What are some of the kinds of behaviors that you see bad bots doing? Yeah, you see that this topic is very tied in with the multivector idea of attacks because these guys are also used in these combinations. Uh, we have these numbers measured. Uh, on our customer base, uh, about 60% good users, humans, uh, and the rest of bots, good and bad, uh, roughly the same share they are occupying. So good bots are, of course, uh, the spiders, the uh, search engine crawlers, uh, these good guys who identify themselves, let themselves be recognized to do their job, and the bad bots are the rest of them. Uh, these are the automated tools who mimic human behavior, human appearance in the web, like user agents, uh, the types of requests they do, the browsers that, that humans are using, uh, for collecting data, for scraping personal information, for uh, brute forcing passwords, accounts, this kind of shady things. Uh, lots of uh, uh, very advanced tools are used for this kind of automation. They're mostly open source and uh, they, they are being developed very fast. So they evolve quickly, and all kinds of protection uh, for that uh, uh, have to participate in this arms race. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, again, thinking about some of the recent research on bot detection, bot management, uh, there you know, are a whole lot of different kinds of techniques that can be used to identify, first of all, that something is a bot, and then try to discover its intentions, you know, everything from you know, something what you might consider signatures of bot activity all the way to behavioral biometrics, technologies yeah. like that. 
lots of ways to uh, to try and look into uh, what is behind the curtain, what is behind this appearance of uh, the internet user. Is it a human? Is it a bot? Uh, how can we distinguish them from each other? Uh, lots of techniques, mostly involving some invasive techniques involving uh, searching for uh, the parameters of the environment the user has for, for their browser, for their operating system, for the device, of course. Uh, comparing all these things with each other and seeing all the traces of tampering when the user has tried to change some of the parameters uh, without letting us know. So it is a cat and mouse game, a quite advanced one compared, for example, to uh, recognizing DDoS patterns uh, because uh, the, the mimicking is deeper here and uh, the human likeness of, of modern advanced bots is huge. Also, the price of running these uh, scraping botnets has decreased, and the number of incidents, uh, again, we have a picture of how many uh, bot attacks we've seen over the last three months. Uh, I think it's important here because uh, back in the day, we thought of bots as, as this background noise, and now they're creating huge pain uh, due to uh, sudden bouts of uh, very high level activity. Lots of requests, millions of requests in short amount of time. This, this is very harmful to the targeted servers, acts like a DDoS attack and has the same results. So what do you see as the, the future, uh, specifically on these multi-vector DDoS kinds of attacks? What are you forecasting? Well, uh, my opinion here is that uh, we have uh, several new protocol stacks. Uh, the most prominent of them is, of course, the Quick and HTTP3 based on UDP, which uh, is uh, intended to replace uh, the suit that we are using now and have been using for 30 years already. And of course, it brings new challenges, new types of attacks, uh, new mitigation techniques we have to adopt. And uh, for some time, all of these, for example, all of these protocol stacks, HTTP 1.1, HTTP 2, HTTP 3, all of them will have to run in parallel in order to facilitate of kinds of users. So the attackers will be able to combine uh, the attack methods for all of these three protocol suits together, run them together because uh, there is such thing as fallback. You can switch off the protocol version and uh, have the rest fall back to other types if you are being attacked as it happens with, for example, IPv6 now. But uh, the attackers will have to use all, all three of them to be effective, to reach their target. So it's a whole new world in front of us. And uh, I'd also like to hear your opinion on uh, what comes next for us in this case. Yeah, I, I certainly agree. I think the the range, you know, and the breadth of the different kinds of attacks uh, will certainly increase. Um, I think it becomes even more imperative for organizations to think uh, very carefully about uh, bot detection, bot management uh, for any and all customer or web-facing properties. Uh, there's there's really no way around uh, having to uh, you know have a good strong network uh, and application layer exactly. uh, infrastructure as well as you know the identity management side too. So being able to use things like behavioral biometrics to figure out what's a bot, what kind of bot it is, what are its intentions. I think, you know, the the range of technologies that are needed for uh, detection, prevention, uh, and mitigation will continue to uh, 
expand just as the different kinds of methods that attackers will use will continue to unfortunately be innovated. Yeah, so the bottom line, I think we agree upon it, uh, is that uh, more data is being used everywhere. More data is needed to find out whether the user is good or bad. More data is needed to run all these algorithms. And of course, the attackers are exposed to more vulnerable data they might use for uh, attacks, for cybercrime, and so on. So it's it, it's a data-driven race, and we have to particip participate in it. Yep, well said. Well, thank you. It's been a great discussion, very informative. Thank you so much, John. Pleasure to me, and uh, thanks to all listeners.